Hello and everybody, welcome to a very long overdue, very long delayed Digging in the Doom. I recorded this about a month ago, went to go upload it, went to go, you know, share it, celebrate it, say, oh my god, a great new episode, one to share with all these lovely people that care about Doom Patrol as much as I do, and then I went back, listened to it, uh, audio completely fucked. So... No, I went back, tried to edit it, tried to salvage it. I will just say some files got corrupted, and some things happened that I was not super excited about. And so instead of getting this out as fast as possible, I had to sit down, re-record, which also meant doing a little bit of rereading to freshen up, a little bit of restudying to make sure that I had all the facts straight again, and going over notes and making sure... That I remembered what I was talking about. So I do apologize immensely for this being so delayed. Uh, but it's here now. And not only is it here now, this is going to be a very interesting episode. Because it's going to be focused on the John Arcudi run of Doom Patrol. One of the, I almost want to say, forgotten runs of Doom Patrol. One that I think people don't really talk about much. And one that I can't really blame people for not talking about a ton. Uh, this is a run that I think has some really interesting ideas. Some really cool toys in a toy box to play with. And something that is different than what we've seen in the past. And that is, of course, things I always love to celebrate. Uh, but there are some minor things in this run that just never quite fully click. Uh, of course, it was 22 issues starting in 2001. Uh, eventually did get canceled. And from the beginning, there were just some little weird issues here and there that you couldn't help but root for Arcudi to overcome, but they were some pretty big obstacles to overcome. Let's start, though, with John Arcudi. If uh, any of you do not know, Arcudi kind of became known in the underground, working through Malibu Comics uh, when it was founded in 1986. Uh, he would go on to work in some Marvel little work and some other smaller indie published things here and there. Uh, some of the early works that uh, he was known for, Savage Tales and Savage Sword of Conan, you know, kind of cutting his teeth on books like that. Worked on a ton of books that were based on films, the Robocop, Alien Thing, and Predator books he had worked on. Of course, with Doug Mankey, he would wrote, he would create, uh, not quite, quite create, he would create the big head version of the mask, and he would really begin to work on what he has become most known for over time, the mask. Uh, doing Mask 1 through 4 and Mayhem with Doug, it was kind of the base for the Jim Carrey film, although obviously they still changed a ton in that version. He would go on to work on everything from the animated mask show to several minis. He'd be involved with the character off and on through several years, so having these ties to this kind of indie darling of a character in the mask one that had a very similar place in pop culture in some ways to characters involved in morrison's doom patrol run where they became almost these outlaw heroes in comics these characters that you look up to that somehow made it even though they shouldn't the mask is definitely in that same category of like faust and spawn and uh, tmnt in that they got so massive in ways that they really probably shouldn't have when you look at their creation stories, who created them, how they were created, who their audience were. Looking back at things like that, it's a 
miracle that they got to such a successful notoriety point and had movies made, had TV shows made. So it's something that people were excited about when Arcudi got announced as New Patrol for bringing it back. It's just somebody that, you know, seems like they would understand the characters and be able to really accentuate the weirdness of the team in their own way. Uh, one of the biggest hurdles they had, though, Arcudi, and I should also mention, of course, the artist on the on the book, Tan Inghout, who they are Malaysian penciler and inker. This was their first Western work. They'd also work on go on to work on The Authority and JLA, Silver Surfer, X-Men, Ghost Rider, and several other works like that. A very interesting artist to this day. They uh, are looked back, when you look back at their work and their overall work, they have a very unique style. And so I do kind of wish we would have gotten to see more of. Uh, I will say in this first, especially at the beginning of the series, you can tell how green they are. You can tell that uh, they have a very interesting flavor of how they draw, of how they create. And some of it clicks, some of it different. There's a couple of Robot Man scenes that, especially early on in the series, that are kind of rough. It's something that takes a minute to get used to. But once you kind of get in the swing of things and you see them grow into the teams, grow into the characters, you can really see them become their own. Now, I mentioned the obstacles. <coughs> I mentioned the Morrison run. Uh, this, of course, is the first time we've seen Demetrius Watson's Pollock run. The first key difference is this was published under the DC mainline. No longer was it the Vertigo book. And as part of that, there were a couple of uh, DC editorial rules and regulations to follow. Uh, the beginning of this book mostly ignored the Morrison and Pollock runs. Uh, eventually, they uh, were able to use it more, but a big reason why uh, Arcudi has stated in several interviews the disconnect with the Vertigo run in main part was due to DC editorial banning the use of most of the Morrison or Pollock characters for flat out. <clears throat> Those were looked at, uh, treated as almost creator-owned characters at that point, and it was something they were trying to separate the Vertigo run from the mainline run, and we're trying to make Doom Patrol more into the main DC yet again. Uh, after a negative fan backlash, it was eventually reversed, and Arcudi was able to uh, give more credence to what happened to all the characters between the runs, and of course, kind of his finale would have to do a lot more with that. Uh, the run started with two Doom Patrol runs, so two Doom Patrol different books. Not two, my bad, let me misspeak there for a second. Not two Doom Patrol books, two Doom Patrol teams in this book. You had the more corporately owned one, uh, owned by Theodore Jost of Jost Enterprises. This was Metamorpho, Elongated Man, Dr. Light, and Beast Boy. Uh, seeing Beast Boy back in the fold of Doom Patrol is always kind of interesting, always a nice tie-in. I don't know if anyone has ever really tied it in well. I don't know if Beast Boy necessarily fits in the Doom Patrol world as much as they try to, over the years, reintegrate him into that world. Uh, I do think it's for the best that he's not a main part of it. Uh, then you had the second team, led by Cliff. This was supposed to be more underground, more creative, had a lot of new Arcudi characters. Of course, every D, every Doom Patrol run for the most part almost has this creator-owned element in it where they create their own new characters, put them in. So for Arcudi, you had Fast Forward. The character could look 60 seconds in the future. Kid Slick, someone who is frictionless. Fever, she could make herself essentially hotter, hotter. And uh, if she was in liquid or something, you know, everything around her would, of course, match her temperature. And Freak, who, for lack of a better term, basically had possession powers, like he was possessed by this unknown entity. And that was, this was kind of the main team of this run. Uh, the Joe Steve uh, Doom Patrol would disband after Metamorpho revealed Robot Man died four years ago. 
which caused the uh, imposter to vanish. Uh, and no, for a minute there, no one really knew what was going on there. They would rebuild Robot Man, uh, Theodore Jones would, under the agreement that he would have the rights to a TV show on the Doom Patrol. He would create a TV series based on the Silver Age Doom Patrol run. And uh, part of this agreement, unknown to most, was that Jost would also fund Dorothy Spina's healthcare as she became as she was in a coma for the previous four years. Now it was also revealed that she was the one that would have created this imposter cliff slash robot man. Uh, and eventually through the run, Robot Man regains his memory of what happened to Dorothy. I won't go into super big detail because although although this is an overview of the series, I do think I want to hit the bigger the bigger beats, but I don't want to completely make a podcast that just makes sure we don't even have to read the book. Uh, go out and read it. Whether you love Doom Patrol, hate Doom Patrol, or any of the runs, I think they're all worth reading. This one is not a favorite of mine, but I still think it's very interesting in the grand scheme of Doom Patrol to see where things would go. So Robot Man would eventually regain his uh, memory of what happened to Dorothy and how it happened after learning of this. There would be a, a major, major decision for him that would uh, impact the character Dorothy forever, of course. Decide, and again, major. this is a bigger spoiler, but I think it's important to us run. So if you don't want to hear a major spoiler about Dorothy, again, if you're reading Modern Doom Patrol or Doom Patrol, you know, uh, Robot Man decides, given new information given everything that he's learned, to pull the plug on Dorothy, giving the doctors uh, the permission to do so. This would end the agreement with Jost because he no longer is taking care of Dorothy. Uh, and the Arcudi characters would kind of pop up here and there. The Flash for uh, all his creative characters that he, uh, he made would pop up here and there randomly and sporadically in other series, but uh, never really went on to do much. This is honestly kind of a a mixed bag of run. There's some great ideas here. The idea of a corporate-based Doom Patrol versus an underground Doom Patrol in the first DC Doom Patrol to be, or first book DC put out under the DC banner, not Vertigo, after it had been in Vertigo several years. Uh, you know, it had been so associated with Vertigo that a lot of people at this time, especially, did not even realize about the you know really early runs connecting it to the mainline DC. This was a looked at it to many people in the Vertigo book. So it's kind of a genius idea launching it with the idea of two different teams in the same book that are competing against each other. It never really goes anywhere, though. Uh, it's an incredible idea. And then, of course, once uh, Arcudi had the rights to use more of the Vertigo characters, there are a couple cool ideas there. I like the idea of connecting it back to Dorothy, connecting a few different... Uh, of the Pollock ideas to the Arcudi run. Again, though, it, it a big problem. It kind of has the same problem that we've had with some of the early runs, uh, especially the Kupperberg run, where it just, it never really feels like Doom Patrol. It feels a lot like X-Men, uh, but that's a very tight rope to balance. We've seen in recent uh, weeks and months that current writer of Doom Patrol, Culver, Dennis Culver has done an amazing job of actually being able to kind of incorporate some of the X-Men feel into the Doom Patrol universe without it feeling forced, or without it taking away from the Doom Patrol. That is one of the main problems that some of these issues in these, 20, in these 22 feel more like an almost generic team book than they do a Doom Patrol book. They're fun. They're not bad. Uh, nothing in them will make you hate it. 
However, it is a run that ultimately never quite reaches the potential that the thesis of it all had. Again, that idea, and again, maybe it's just me personally, the idea of this corporate Doom Patrol versus underground Doom Patrol, it sounds so awesome, but it ultimately kind of doesn't really matter. And the new characters just kind of, again, feel like, they almost feel like the fake versions of superheroes that are standing in for actual superheroes in a, you know, in a book from a company that doesn't own them, where whether it be like up when Marvel's clearly making fun of DC characters or DC's clearly making fun of Marvel characters and they have just random characters that kind of have similar powers, but ultimately die very fast because they don't matter. That's kind of how these characters feel, except for they do matter. They're the main cast. They just always feel like you're kind of waiting for the second ball to drop with them, and it never really does. It's a run that is ultimately more disappointing in its possibilities, not in itself, if that makes sense. Like, it's not bad. It is not this horrible run. It's not a god-awful run. It's nowhere near the worst run we've talked about so far. But I think coming after the Morrison and Pollock one-two punch, that especially looking back retroactively, was such a hard-to-follow gambit that I don't know if anyone could have, as much as I love uh, runs like uh, Gerard's run, the current Diz Culver run, and those runs feel more like runs that were like sequels to Doom Patrol. This one does feel like it's just missing something. It is missing that edge. It's missing that what makes Doom Patrol special. It never quite really clicks into the Doom Patrol gear. It feels like almost a, at times it feels like a Robot Man solo spinoff which I almost kind of would argue if it was presented that way, it might be looked upon better in the overall scheme of things. But yeah, it is nothing uh, amazing. I, I kind of hate saying this because I know the past two episodes have been a lot of praise, a lot of big things going on. And this one's kind of more of just a straight, yeah, it is what it is. It's okay. And well, talking about wasted ideas, even the idea of having the new Doom Patrol characters reenacting and trying to make a TV show about the Silver Age Doom Patrol. There is so many great ideas in that. So many ideas that could be played with, so many cool things to be said. And this entire book setup looks like it is the ultimate book about art versus commerce, about underground versus mainstream, about you know the pretentiousness and how we need to get over some of our gatekeepingness on this low level and how the evils at top, although are way more evil, how the evils at the bottom are still there. There's all kinds of ways you could have approached this and all kinds of ways I do believe our cutie probably intended to. He just was never really allowed to fully explore that. And I think at the 22 issue mark, it also has this weird albatross hanging from it that it is just long enough to kind of be a bit of a commitment to people who aren't sure about it and it's just never the payoff that they want but also not long enough to have like the time that a morrison run took to really just develop these weird ideas and i i think it's a one-two not a one-two punch up but i do think it's a a kind of a cacophony of many different issues that made this book into just the mediocre one where it could have been something truly, truly special. DC editorial, you know, just cutting it off at the knees from the beginning doesn't help a thing. When you are making 
the first time that a lot of these characters have been seen in a long time, the first time that people have been able to buy a Doom Patrol book in a minute, and you take away basically its past from it without knowing. And again, the first issue tries so hard to set up something new. And in some of these ideas, it's really good, but in some it's confusing. I, I don't mean to judge a series based off the first couple issues, but I do think Doom Patrol, it's, a, it's always an interesting way to handle it. Because every, every first two issues of every Doom Patrol run really kind of sets the tone for what's to come in many ways. You get the flavor of the artist, the flavor of the writer. You get their tone, their characters, or everything. And you have some that focus on newer characters like this one that just feel a bit off. And when Robot Man it takes center stage, uh, some of his dialogue and some of the ideas, it almost feels like they were in the early stages of this run, just not sure where they were going to go. And we're trying to plant these seeds that never grew in anything. And then by the time they did feel like they had found their focus, they had almost gone too far the other way so they tried to move it back and then by that point they are facing cancellation so they were wrapping it up and all those things combined for a interesting moment in the doom patrol's history uh, but not one that i would say they must read or one that i would even say i would necessarily recommend to anyone outside of the hardcore doom patrol circles uh there's a few runs coming up that i'm very intrigued by because i know uh they kind of accomplish more what this one fails at. Uh, but yeah, not a not a bad one. A very middle-of-the-road Doom Patrol run. A very middle-of-the-road one. One that you kind of don't expect, knowing how, how much craziness has happened in the previous two. It's kind of a cold bucket of water over the head of any Doom Patrol fan, especially if you are reading them back-to-back. -back. And again, there's no... At the time, it came out, no one was really thinking it this way, but it's very true. If you're reading these back-to-back -back with the other runs, you hit such a high with Morrison and Pollock and come crashing down here. <laughs> but maybe I'm wrong. Let me know what you guys think. This is, my, of course, my opinion. Uh, again, sorry for the delay. I do hope it is worth it. We've got some fun runs coming up. And we have some major, major podcasting news coming up pretty, pretty soon that I won't get into too much right now, but do be on the lookout. We are working on something very special and something really cool that uh, you guys will be the first to hear about and the first to know about very, very soon. And it, all, all I will say is if you have, if you're a fan of some of the shows of the past that used to be on this network uh, and some things that we've definitely slowed on, so down on uh, get ready and buckle up because we have retooled some things. We have imagined some new things and are planning uh, a bigger launch for a new thing than we have ever done before. A lot more groundwork, a lot more buildup, a lot more planning. But it's coming, and coming pretty soon. So be on the lookout. Until then, though, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for sharing, for commenting. Thank you so much for everything. Again, let me know what you thought of this run, wherever you're listening. Let me know. I will see you next time.